0: Good morning, guys. How we doing? Good morning. Good
1: morning. Good morning.
0: We've got the entire week. Well, first of all, the, the giant preacher is here, <laughs> and James is here with the, the, the giant preacher, and Doc is here. Glenn and Jim are FX. Welcome,
1: guys. Well, thank Good morning. you. And, and uh, to see you this dressed up. Uh, is kind of a shocker. Yeah, it's too bad we're not on television.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, wait till we get cameras. Yeah, well, let me just say this: that that's the sadness that
0: someone is not used to me wearing a tie. And as a lawyer, that's kind of like your uniform. Well, it was years ago. Well, I don't know. I think that I've been wearing a tie again. Do
3: you have a, Do you have court today?
0: Nope. Oh, nice. I don't even have any. I don't even have anybody coming in. Who's he he said he, said.
1: he said he he said he would explain this to me later <laughs> about the white shirt. I mean, man, it's starched and everything. And he's got a, a, a great looking tie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to wear the same ties until somebody gives me some ties for Christmas.
1: Well, That's I'll, some I'll some take t- a t- look t- <laughs> at my closet.
0: <laughs> well, you know, today, today, I think we're going to talk about profits. And this is all I know about profits is that, um, Uh, Carly Simon says she's not one. (laughs) There we go.
3: That's the theology. theology. Carly Simon theology. (laughs) She is not a prophet.
0: And she doesn't know nature's way. She's Mm -hmm. apparently not a biologist either because she doesn't know nature's way. (laughs) So, how do you... So we'll I think we'll turn it over. You, you, do, we, do, we want, do we have some verses on prophecy? Yes. Um
3: well we we have several verses as far as how to test a prophet, but really the general idea that I'm putting forth is that prophecy does not change in definition from the old testament to the new testament. At least I haven't seen a compelling argument for that. But if someone else believes that it has, then we can discuss that.
2: Can we, uh, can we start off with how to test a profit or the validity yeah. of a profit? Let's start off. Let's go ground floor. Mm-hmm. for Doc. Yeah.
3: And so, by the way, like pretty much what's happening that I see that's happening over the uh, course of this podcast is that whenever I'm introduced to something in class, I find it very interesting. And we're starting to write papers on it. And that seems to be the topic. And so that's very fun for me. <laughs> um, but just- this, is, this is just something that we so happened to discuss last week in depth. Um, there's no test for a true prophet, but there are tests for false prophets. And so um, the test for a false prophets is found in Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18. And in uh, Deuteronomy 13, the test is if a prophet's message comes true, or if a person who proclaims to be a prophet says something that comes true, but then he or she entices the Israelites to follow other gods. That prophet's not a prophet and is to be put to death. All right, and so it's not just simply does the message come true. It's does the message come true and is the prophet loyal to God? So the first test is the prophet's loyalty, and the second test, of course, is whether the prophets the prophecy comes true, and that's in Deuteronomy eighteen. If what the prophet says, uh, if he says that he's speaking on behalf of God, and what he says comes true, then so be it. But if it does not come true, then the person has spoken presumptuously and is to be put to death.
1: Do they have to
0: claim to be a prophet to be subject to the death penalty? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's a good question.
1: It's a very good say question. Say that again.
0: Do they have to profess themselves to be a prophet in order to be subject to the death penalty?
3: Yes. They have to they have to profess to be speaking on behalf of God. So they don't okay. really say that I'm a prophet. They just say, thus saith the Lord or uh like, for example, Nathan's false prophecy to Daniel, or not to Daniel, to David. Uh, let me pull up that text. Um, in 2 Samuel 7, David says that he's going to build a temple, and Nathan says, uh, do as you wish, the Lord is with you. And so at that moment, Nathan is not speaking as a prophet. He's speaking as a false prophet and should have been put to death. Now, Well, I'm not saying that he should have been put to death. He was given the ultimate gift of grace. You know, we see that over and over again in Scripture where people deserve something, but then they're given something else, which is called grace. And so uh, just that he was given grace doesn't mean that he didn't speak truly. He he spoke falsely. God made that very clear that night that, uh, Nathan, uh, you spoke incorrectly. Uh, You need to go back and tell David uh, that um, you're not to build a temple for me; that someone else is going to build a temple for me. Not not someone who's a warrior.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm still not for sure how you become a prophet, or if you if it's self self Because I know that Eli Lamp said, "Do not touch the unclean thing." Thus saith the Lord. Does that make him a prophet?
3: Uh, I think I think what makes someone a prophet is all of God. So it's it's all on God to put his words into someone's mouth. That's exactly how God defines prophet in Deuteronomy 18:18 18, 18, is I will put my words into their mouth. So it's nothing on our end like the way that I'm seeing it, doc could be walking around today and all of a sudden boom, he just starts prophesying not according to his own will, but according to God's will.
0: I know, but does he have to claim that that's what he's doing? That's my point. And I want to know, if, uh, if, if, if I say, thus saith the Lord, am I claiming I'm a prophet? God will say, God will claim that, yes. God
3: will say, this is coming from me, through Doc. So it's not that Doc has to do it, it's that God's doing it through Doc, saying, thus says the Lord, thus says me,
0: this is going to happen, and boom, yeah, it happens. I guess if you're quoting scriptures, it's okay to say, thus saith the Lord. You're not saying you're saying that God said this in the scriptures. That's what he, right? Yeah. Okay. That's 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 what it meant, saying, yeah. you're
3: coming out with something new, and you say, thus saith the Lord." That's pretty bold.
0: I got you. I got you. Eli Lamp was talking yeah. about the Bible. Okay, mm-hmm. I got you.
3: But but two two examples of like it not being something according to the person's will would be Saul uh, whenever he chases uh, David in Naoth. I think that's how you pronounce it. Anyway, he chases David over there. It's a kind of funny story. So David runs away to Samuel. Samuel takes David over to Naoth. I think that's, again, I might be wrong in the pronunciation. It's a town that starts with an N. Anyway, Samuel takes David to that town. Saul hears about it. He sends some men to go over there. Well, the men run over to go capture David. But as soon as they approach Samuel, the Spirit of the Lord comes over those men And those men just start prophesying, and they're just completely useless for the mission at that point. And so Saul says, well, we need to bring some more men down there. And so he sends more men down there to go capture David. They get there, and they, too, just start prophesying. And so Saul himself says, well, I'll go down there and do it myself. And Saul goes down there and as soon as he gets in the presence of Samuel, the spirit of the Lord comes on to Saul. And Saul strips his clothes and lays down and starts prophesying all day in front of Samuel. (laughs) Okay. And so it's a very very funny story.
0: Well, you know, let let me say this mm -hmm. real quick. This won't take but a second. You had a blank look on your not knowing who Eli Lamp. Lamp was. Eli Lamp was the father, of, grandfather of Samuel Lamp, who saw, who witnessed the bad murder.
1: Well, that really helps. Mm.
0: In the movie Witness.
3: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> movie references. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> made it five I made minutes. I can't believe
0: it. Dude, I was getting blank looks and I went, maybe I need to say who he on my Lamp is. <laughs> Did you know, Jim?
2: Uh,
3: no, I did not. I just let that one pass.
2: Okay, so I was so Yeah, what a fight through business? it, though. <laughs> what a fight through it. You did a great job telling those stories with three Eli Lamp references mixed in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All right. All right, Pastor, you had something you wanted to say.
1: Well, right now, I not only have a, a blank look, but Well, just, proph- like. just prophesy. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, one of the things that Jim said that I, I, I think is very interesting is that Saul, as a young man, a teenager probably, they were looking for lost donkeys. His dad had some donkeys that wandered off. And so he and a servant of his dad went out looking for them. And after a while, um, they're way out there some way. Somewhere away from home, and uh, I'm sure they're hungry, and they just want to go back home. They can't find the donkeys, and then they see the the prophet's house. So they said, "Let's go over to the prophet." and And the passage of scripture actually calls him a seer also, because a prophet was called a seer in Old Testament because they could see things that nobody else could see. So they thought, well, maybe maybe he can see these lost donkeys, and uh, And he said to the servant, said, we got any money? I kind of like that part of it, you know, because when you go to the house of God, you ought to be taking your tithe, your offering, or something like that. But that's not what I'm here to talk about right now. (laughs) 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 They they got over there. They got over there to the house, and a great banquet had been set. And so, man, they're sitting down. They're just two country boys out out looking for lost donkeys. They're sitting down. Can you imagine? And they're eating this big banquet, and uh, uh, actually, the prophet had been told a day or two before that they were going to be there. And he said, "Quit worrying about the donkeys; they're 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 uh, they're all right, and er- everything's cool on that end." And uh, one of the wonderful things is is that many times we get all upset and worried and concerned about things, and we just need to uh, start. Uh, having faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So these things, even little things, we need to turn it over to the Lord and and he will get word to us somehow. He'll turn something around. He'll make something happen. This uh, became a divine encounter because he got anointed several times while he was there at the house of the prophet. He was being anointed to be king. And the prophet, I haven't read this this morning, but i'm going to tell you the best i can from memory so the prophet uh tells him as you go on back home you're going to come against uh, you're going to come by some prophets that come down uh, from from a mountain and they're going to be uh, prophesying and when you get amongst them you'll begin to prophesy and that, that prophecy at this point speaking forth the word of god that's the way we're going to define define it right at this moment uh, uh, speaking forth the Word of God. That happens in Old Testament and New Testament, and we'll get to that in a little while on this presentation. So anyhow, these people come down off the hill. They're playing instruments and singing. Sorry to the Church of Christ, but uh, <laughs> instruments are still okay with God. <laughs> wait, wait. Is he, that all? Yeah, that's
0: all Church of Christ. Yeah, it's yeah. multi-cup and single-cup. Well, thank cup. you
1: very much for that interruption. And... Uh, <laughs> And here we go. And so he said, you will get, you will get, uh, you will go with the prophets and you'll start prophesying with them. Now I'm just going to inject a little something here that you're going to be like the crowds you run with. If you run with people that believe that God is a God of the past, the day of miracles is over. You're going to start believing that yourself. If you're going to, uh, uh come against faith in every way that you can come against faith before long you'll have no faith but it's interesting that when he left that house he he had these divine appointments that the prophet already knew about and knew that this was going to uh put him on a different level spiritual level than he'd ever been before now when he gets back they ask him hey man what what what's what's changed about you well, well really nothing You know that, in in essence, that was the way that he answered it. But uh, in in a uh, a little bit, uh, he began to uh, prophesy. So um, he he did prophesy from time to time, uh, and he did become a king, and he did find out that uh, you just need to take things to God, and. One of the big things today that we need to really get a hold of that uh, our church attendance is very important because according to the, uh, the word of God, the church is God's idea. It's not a denominational idea, but it is God's idea. And Jesus is the head. It was Jesus' idea. He said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not win over uh, I, would, I would say that you can go to just about any Christian church. And if they're reading the Bible and teaching and preaching from the Bible, you're going to get something out of it that's going to be helpful to you. And uh, we are the body of Christ. We make up the church. The church is called Christ. And so he is the head mm-hmm. and, and we are members of that. Now, I want to go into Ephesians 4.11 real quick. Because it says when he ascended up on high, it's talking about Jesus when he went back into heaven, 500 are watching him do this. Uh, 500 believers are there when he ascends up on high. When, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity ca- captive, and he gave gifts to the men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So there are prophets today. They do speak forth the word of God. In fact, when you go to uh, Hebrew, uh, let's say, let's say, uh, second, I think it's second, uh, second Corinthians chapter twelve, it begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, it talks about prophecy, and it it kind of lumps uh, these uh, nine gifts in like groups of three, and it said under prophecy there is word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Word of wisdom is things. Uh, Pertaining to the fut- future, and word of knowledge is things uh, pertaining to right now or in your past. And so, uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues can be a, a word of wisdom or a, a, a word of knowledge. And uh, so, these things are going to be active in the church, but they're not going to be an a- active in a church that doesn't believe what the word of God says. And uh, that's why I, I, I'm a stickler to go back to some of these things and remind people of these things, because the Bible says, and this is hardly happening with hardly any of us, that if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, talking about uh, Adam, much more, much more, we would receive abundance of grace, thank you for the Baptist, a bunches of grace and the gift of righteousness, that means the gift of right standing. We don't earn our way into heaven, but we receive Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth that he paid the price for all people. But it's a gift of salvation. And if I try to give you a gift and you refuse it, you won't have it. If I give you a gift and you don't use it, it won't do you any good. And so you have to accept this gift. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I, I've got so now that uh, I, I, preach, uh, I preach even in the, in the uh, middle of a wedding. So, you know, one thing that keeps your grandkids from asking you to do the wedding. But on the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, I can tell in about uh, two minutes, how that you can go to heaven. And I've got a captive audience. And there are people that may never come to hear me preach. (laughs) Oh, we're having a good time here. (laughs) Where was I going now, James, with this?
0: (laughs) You were going the fact that you had a captive audience in in a wedding, and it might be, and that's where you stopped.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that that might be my only opportunity, and maybe the only opportunity they have a, a clarification of what it takes to go to heaven. Okay. Now, remember that I quoted the scripture uh, uh, in uh, wherever it was, 411, Ephesians 411, I believe. It. And when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now, I could go into that, but I'm not going into that. Uh, some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, one, one of the problems that we have today is a lot of what I just said is not it's not recognized. However, it's in the New Testament. An apostle is like an, a, mission, a missionary. They, they build where no, nobody else has ever built. In other words, they'll go into a a country and they'll start something that becomes a a, 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 a like an, a, a a revival center, so
0: or a church. No, no God's not
1: already there. Yes, democratic national condition. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Oh, that was good, James. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so there is the prophet today. There is uh, he. But uh, in essence. Any preacher is speaking forth the word of God, hopefully, and, and you know, so that puts him in a lower level of prophet. but there are others that uh, operate in the, the gift of, of prophecy with a word of knowledge and word of wisdom, and uh, so these things are for today, and the prophet is for today. I don't have any strong examples of that right at this moment, but I will say this that um, I'll be reading in a few minutes after I turn it back to uh, uh, Doc and, and James here, uh, <laughs> and Jim in and, Texas. And Glenn, Spock. Hansen. And Glenn, yes. Yes, Glenn, who doesn't like me to touch the table
0: like that. Right, and especially now <laughs> that you've got springs that, that play. I got what? It's even worse now that you've got springs that play. Where's the screen? That's not important. Okay, whatever.
1: Thank you. Uh, oh, those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's gonna be arrested. He's gonna play those things when he's ready to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so years ago, years ago, I would say in about 1976, I'd been to a Bible college four years, and um, I had uh, pastored. Uh, Let's see, two 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 churches. One in the Hills and Hollers of West Virginia, Cabin Creek, and one in Alabama uh, out with people that had big cattle farms and dairies, and I was on the Mississippi line. And then finally, the Lord opened the door for me to come to uh, Louisiana, and I came to uh, Spring Hill. In Spring Hill, I came, uh, I came. had. A, I inherited a staff member full-time, and he had uh, set under Kenneth Hagan. Now, Kenneth Hagan has a a college called Rama Bible college up in Tulsa. Kenneth Hagan lived to be 87 years old. He, uh, his son-in-law, Buddy Harris started because, uh, Kenneth Hagan was such a prolific, uh, r- 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 writer and preacher and speaker and a wealth of Bible knowledge. And, uh, and, and Buddy Harrison helped him take his messages and put them in books. And so Harrison House opened up up in Tulsa. Now, in 1976, I told you all these stories because the staff member that I inherited had been raised in a church that Kenneth Hagin visited many times. And this uh, assistant, who now is a a, um, a very successful evangelist, Um, We're still friends. I talked to him on the phone. I would get up and kind of, uh, you know, he would preach faith and teach faith. I let him speak every Wednesday night. A lot of the assistants I've had through the years, they were good preachers, good teachers, and I used them a lot. And he was one of them. But he was preaching all this faith that I'd never heard before. And he, uh, so the next time I preached, I would preached kind of contrary to it. And the more I tried to preach contrary to it, the more I saw light on it. So in about 1976, I started uh, reading and studying uh, some of the writings of Kenneth Hagan and Kenneth Copeland and others that people cannot stand today, because it seems like that if you really want to live like Jesus Christ is the same today as he was years ago, you will be persecuted. And uh, But anyhow, so I've studied through the years those. Now, whether these books are still in print, I I I've kind of troubled over that in my mind this morning until I remembered that Rhema Bible College is still uh, alive and well today, and I'm sure that they're using these books as far as uh, uh, their textbooks because Kenneth Hagin went into faith, systematic theology of faith systematic theology of the blood, systematic theology of your authority as a believer in Jesus Christ. And most churches do not uh, really preach or speak or teach about now as a born again believer, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, behold all things have become new. And that uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I'm going to pause right now for just a moment. Wait a minute, what, what's that, James? I, I don't. Bunch, have... That's all books by Hagen. You... Wow. Yes. Wow. So you can Google what you do.
0: Google. I got it on uh, e-books.
1: I, I'm telling everybody out there that's listening to my podcast. If you really uh, this, no, that's not my podcast. <laughs> it's a James podcast. <laughs> L- Lonnie Frisbee, is that oh, you? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, in all of my months and months of being here, I have never been allowed to speak this long. Oh. And so, wrapping this up for way. the moment, uh, <laughs> I want to say that you need to get a hold of some of these books and read them. And uh, James, will, uh, James will attest to this fact that one of our dear friends who's passed away now Scott Killen, he he studied uh, these books. His son went to King's, is it called King's yes. University over King's there? King's Bible College. King's Bible College, yes. And that's over in Dallas somewhere. Anyhow, the, my first, my, boy, I'm, I'm jumping on tangents here. But my first understanding of that particular Bible college, which was not around when I went to college, was uh, when Cain's uh, dad was dying at the hospital. And I was out with uh, uh, Cain's mother. And Cain began to minister to his mother with the Word of God. And I thought, my goodness, the things that's coming out of his mouth, 22 years old, whatever, are things that took me years and years and years to ever get a hold of in fact, I ran into him recently, and I've told him, I said, Cain, I brag about you all over the place. I'm trying to get a hold of him still. Well, I'll give you his number. <laughs> I don't think I have it. But anyhow, now I'm going to turn it over to uh, my, my helpers here. <laughs> well, you know, uh, can I direct it this way for a second? Uh, uh, you have it's something? your podcast, so
0: you do well, whatever you want. Yeah, it
1: is. It's your podcast, James.
0: I, all right. So, so what Jim said today in the text to say, hey, this, maybe this would be a good topic. I didn't know if it was, he made it clear now that it's just what they studied. I didn't know if he came across something that made him to, to change something. But this is, this is what I'm going to get. Um, the first part's going to be silly. I can't help it. You know, for a long, long time, my favorite hippie chick was Grace Slick. But then she took a bath, became a libertarian, and I needed a new hippie chick. Well, it's, I like Melissa Hessler. She's a Bible singer. She sings Bible stuff. Well, she has a thing that says, um, um, the, the verse basically goes, um, the, the <laughs> you would know I'd go blank. Yeah. It, uh, but it, anyway, she says, um, use each breath to prophesy. So, um, you know, the Jesus blood wash over me, command my soul, awake, arise, use each breath to prophesy. Now that to me doesn't sound like the same prophecy prophet. Or whatever from the Old Testament is that what you're getting at, guys? I think she needed a rhyme.
2: She needed something to rhyme with the rise, so she went prophesy. That's what
1: I think.
0: <laughs> I think she just asked directly, but Bible? Isn't there a Bible verse that says use prophesy, or is that is that just a hippie chick thing?
1: Uh, I think that's a hippie chick thing, whatever a hippie chick is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A- um-
3: well, that was that was what I was wanting to talk about today, because I think that the way and we could discuss this, that the way that Chris is using prophecy is not the way that I would use it. Um, it's not merely speaking forth God's words. It's God putting his words into your mouth and you're helpless to that.
1: So the the Bible prophet is helpless to that. Is that what you're saying? He just Balaam, has to.
3: Balaam surely was. Who was? Or Balaam.
1: Balaam, yes, yes, yes.
3: Balaam surely was. So, uh, and his his words are explicitly from the Spirit of God. Uh, he can't help but speak those words, and those words are considered prophecy.
1: Yeah, because he was hired um, to curse Israel, and uh, every time he opened his mouth to curse Israel, a blessing would come out. Are you familiar with that passage?
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's another funny story. It's very similar to Saul's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so that's a that's a very funny story as well. Well, and so the point. No, go ahead. Sorry,
1: Chris. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want to say this. I know and I give this example many times. Uh, you can be prepared to, to preach uh, and there there is a strong anointing sometimes and things come out of your mouth that you, you are even amazed came out of your mouth. So that is like a a uh it's like a, a a gift of prophecy it's like you are prophesying and it's it's like being downloaded in you by the spirit of god now see I, I, i'm concerned i, I hear a, a lot of good messages being preached and that's wonderful that's good but the uh prophecy element the anointing element sometimes is missing in uh some churches uh and possibly it could be because they've never had the baptism of the holy spirit and uh, uh actually uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues is a form of prophesying. and there is an anointing that i don't I don't know that i I don't always feel that anointing for sure, but I do at times feel a strong anointing and at times I've been amazed it's almost like you're standing beside yourself observing yourself speak some words that you're amazed by so I you know I I, I would have to add that into what you said uh, I believe that there is a form of the uh, Old Testament uh, prophecy that's still alive it's it's an uh, anointing and notice that uh uh, Saul wasn't a could we say full-time prophet? He was a king. And he began to prophesy as he got he around not,
3: I would not say that he was a full-time prophet, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Uh, so when he got around these people that were prophesying, he started prophesying. And so it it you know, it's like it, it's like this anointing is contagious. And that's why I believe that mm-hmm. it is important that that people uh, set under some anointing and uh, it will become contagious. And I, this anointing came on me when I was 15 years old. And I cannot deny that because that's when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I believe there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I could not receive. And I waited and waited and I prayed and asked God for it. And finally, one night, it came on me. And it was anointing that is still with me To this day, do I feel it all the time? Well, I'm not sure that I do. But there are times that it's a very heavy anointing. And that day, I saw the only, that evening that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I saw the only vision, I think, that I've ever seen. And I do not really totally understand that vision to this day. But um, I I believe that the Lord's going to unveil it to me. So what can I say? I've got to tell you I had a vision, okay? And then I've got to say that I have some little idea of these latter years, what it might mean. And I believe I'll clearly understand it one day. But the big thing that I'm talking about is the anointing. And, and that anointing is seen uh, contagious in other passages of the Scripture. And if I think of one of them, I will bring it up in a few minutes.
0: Let, let, me, say, let me say this real quick. That was the verse that she was quoting, Ezekiel thirty-seven nine. You it says, uh prophesy of breath, which would mean use each breath to prophesy. Now, that doesn't help what I it doesn't that doesn't go against what is saying is that old testament prophets, there was a different idea what it meant to prophesy, and he was in God that was commanding Ezekiel to prophesy, apparently. Well, I'm not an expert on Ezekiel at all. So the answer to say that it is I She did take that from the Bible, but I don't think it helps understand. Is there a different sort form of prophecy now and with the Old Testament? I think it takes it away because she was quoting the Old Testament.
1: Well, word of wisdom, and I'm talking about um, um, prophecy can be a word of wisdom or word of knowledge. Okay, so if a person has this come on, this is New Testament. If a word of wisdom comes on you and you speak it over an individual about their future, then. You are doing very much like what, uh, what happened in the Old Testament. And if you speak about a, a word of knowledge, well, that can be like the Old Testament. Also, you're, you're speaking about something that has happened in an individual's past. But for sure, the uh, word of wisdom is very much like the prophecy uh, of the prophets of the Old Testament.
3: Mm, yeah. And uh, one thing that I would add to what you said, or it would complement what you said, is that uh, prophecy or being a prophet is a condition. It's not a characteristic, it's not a permanent characteristic. And so, again, I would point to Saul and Nathan. So, mm-hmm. Saul at a particular moment was a prophet. Yes. But then he was no longer a prophet after that. In fact, he immediately rebelled and went to Nob and killed all those priests after that. Um, and Nathan, while he was a prophet for, like he, he was known as a career prophet, had moments where he was a false prophet, or at least had one moment where he was a false prophet. And so it doesn't doesn't take away the fact that he was a prophet at other times. It's just that he wasn't a prophet at all times. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Yes, it does. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, we, we need to make sure that we don't, Confuse that because that was something that I was getting confused early on was profit being a permanent characteristic, and it was something that you always had
0: is that the same thing for healer? you're not a healer all the time, but you could be that day
3: I'm sure that we'll talk about that in the future. I'm not necessarily sure how where I stand on that as well, far as that you know, goes right now
0: my theory my theory right now is it stands and it, and I think we don't want to go off into too too much of a detail other than to say that, that I believe that if there are still just absolute miraculous healing, that, that it is for some force, some purpose of confirming a ministry or a prophecy or a person who is speaking from God. I can um, believe that. So, so I, that's why I brought it up. I, I, I don't know that it's going to be like that all the time that you go, okay, well, today, I, now I can, I can grow arms back at will. And I don't think that's what anybody's claiming. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well,
1: yeah. well uh, would would we call Daniel a prophet? I think we would, because he does prophesy in With some, some end times. The big time and, stuff. And, and, yeah. And then you you take, uh, like, uh, wouldn't he called in before the king, Belshazzar, and because they saw a hand on the wall that was writing, that said, meaning meaning take you parson I know James is going to have something to say about that, but that's written in the Bible. <laughs> and they couldn't. I, I mean, you know, the the scripture reads that the king, I think it was Belshazzar, that he was so scared that his knees were knocking together. And uh, finally, they they come up with, "Hey, there's a guy up there. You know, he can he can he can interpret things." And they bring Daniel down, and he interpret and, and he interprets what that message meant, and that was that this kingdom is going to fall, and what what their sin was, they were uh, drinking from the vessels of the temple and mocking uh, Almighty God, and so that night, the enemy had the place surrounded, and they diverted the river, if I remember my story right, and they marched in on uh, dry ground. And everybody that was at the big party died. A sudden death. Max?
3: Yeah, my favorite part about that story was Daniel gives this prophecy that the whole kingdom's going under, and the king adorns them with a purple robe and a crown and things like that. Like, you're third in command of this kingdom. <laughs>
1: and Daniel's like, did I not just tell you that this was all coming to an end tonight? It kind of <laughs> That's a good observation. I love that. I think you know, yeah.
0: observation. Dr. David Jeremiah gave on that was the King was extremely drunk from drinking from those vessels, and that was the quickest sobering you've ever seen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: better than yeah. coffee. Better than PJ's coffee to sober you, Glenn. <laughs>
3: yeah, but um, so so to get back to the to the question that I have, and I I have an opinion on this. It can change, but um. The definition of prophecy. Uh, I don't see prophet as changing from the old to the New Testament, and I'm not saying the prophecy that, that prophets are no longer out there. I I haven't encountered one, but that but that doesn't mean that they're not out there. As far as I haven't encountered someone who speaks a prophecy over my life like the one that I see in the New Testament, to where uh, I don't know it's uh, or in the Old Testament. Well, it's also in the New Testament. So Paul is told a prophecy that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be seized and handed over to the Romans. And that's exactly what happens. The Jews seize him and hand him over to the Romans. And so I haven't been given something like that to where it's definitive, like this is going to happen, you know, if X. There are some conditional prophecies where it says, if you do X, then this will happen. Well, I haven't had that in specific detail spoken over me in my life, but that doesn't mean that those prophecies do not happen today. I'm just saying that if you're going to call something a prophecy, then it has to be something where it has to look something like what we see in Acts and also in the Old Testament. That's my opinion. If, if it's anything else other than that, if it's speaking a positive word about the church or about the Lord, great. Like, awesome. Keep doing that. But I wouldn't call it prophecy because it only confuses me.
0: Whatever <laughs> you call it that. I, 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 I'm a prophet. I prophesy that Jim is going to have to write a very important paper to get his degree from BTS.
3: <laughs> there you go. Okay. Let's put another. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put another. We'll put another criteria on that. It can't be something general and obvious. Okay.
1: Okay. So, look. That was, uh, that was very good. Uh, so, so uh, Phillips, five daughters that prophesied, what were they doing?
0: Mm-hmm. Philip's five daughters were prophesying. What were they doing?
1: I thought he said five uh, dollars. Daughters. Daughters. Doctors, not hey, five dollars. Can you
3: point me to the passage?
1: Uh, I would have to Google it, but That's it's true. definitely in there.
0: That's no, no, know. no. It's not in there. That's Glenn, <laughs> Glenn's job. That's Glenn's job, <laughs> <laughs> That's Glenn's job on, on Mondays, well, on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. Really Damn. If, you point me, if you point me to the verse, like I said, my mind could be changed on this stuff, but if you, if you point me to the verse, then I'll read it with you guys, and then we can discuss it.
1: Okay. Um, James?
3: Because if it's just saying that what they're you prophesying, then the way that I would take that is there – it doesn't have to be it, – it's definitely not future prediction. That's not how prophecy was always done. Okay,
1: but then – it, 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 but see, Jim, if you go in that direction, then you're going to say, well, they're just kind of speaking the word of God. And I never
3: would say that. I would say that, they're, that God's, God's words are being put into their mouths. Well, that, That's completely different than speaking the word of God.
1: Okay. So if, if that's the case, then they were prophesying.
3: Well, if the Bible says that they're prophesying, then I'm going to go with what the Bible
1: says. That okay. They're prophesying. Okay. So I'm going to Google it right now. And so okay. I'm, I'm sure that James will have something to say, or maybe Doc. Doc, do you well, have a know, yeah. What he says is we need a filler.
2: Well, <laughs> no, here's your guy. my
3: filler. There we okay. go. Um,
0: if you have a prophet, isn't that different than prophesying? In other words, are we really talking about two different things? Is Jim saying prophesying is God's putting the words in there, whereas the Bible saying prophets. Have the words put into them, and they go out and profess it or prophesy it. Is that what we're
3: talking about? I'm saying that if you are prophesying, you It's not you who's doing it; it's all God. It, it seems to be a helpless action on your part.
0: So very Calvinist. Mm.
3: Not What's very Calvinist. That? that is. This is. This is.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, this has nothing to do with soteriology.
0: Okay. <laughs> Touche. That's a good one. All right. So you uh, got yeah, But, to but
3: so, so to Glenn's point, ah, I, I whenever, whenever we see, let's say, gifts of prophecy, uh, there's, I don't remember a verse saying specifically office of prophecy, but you often see people saying that office of prophecy, um, gift of prophecy, prophet. Whenever you see those sorts of words, the, there's nothing in scripture that I could see that differentiates those things as different things. Gifts of prophecy is prophecy. That's God choosing you as someone who's going to speak through. And so uh, the office of prophecy, you could say Isaiah had an office of prophecy. You could say that even though the scripture doesn't really say as much, at least as far as I could tell. And, um, and that just means that he's a prophet. Like, And then a prophet is someone who God's God has put his words into that person's mouth. And so there's nothing in scripture that I have been able to find just in this week, at least, indicating that those words mean different things.
1: Okay. I'm ready to read. <laughs> All right. Which, <clears throat> where are we reading? We're reading from the book of Acts, chapter 21. And uh, we're reading what W.E. Vines said. Uh, okay. Uh, which, which person? Um, you know, um, hmm. The one's in Acts. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, actually, uh, now down at the bottom it says Acts two verse seventeen, and let me read this whole thing. And twenty
2: one nine has has uh, he had four daughters who prophesied. Yeah. If that's a, that I, be a
1: good I've been saying life. five for years, so Lord help me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. so I'm going to read. Let us let's ask another question first. What was the point of prophecy? W. E. Vines tells us that it not only has to do with foretelling the future, but it has sometimes to do with telling forth the divine counsels. The need, then, of prophets is evident in that the people of God did not have the completed word of God. And thus God, people always fall back on that. But uh, as an excuse, and thus God graciously, although sporadically, would reveal His thoughts to certain of His people. Joel himself, of course, that's Old Testament, had prophesied, foretold that it quote your sons and daughters shall prophesy unquote quoted on the day of Pentecost Acts chapter two verse seventeen. So, does that answer any of your questions, Jim? Um. Or address your concerns. I'm
3: not necessarily sure that that does, but what it tells me is that if we're talking about the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament prophets saying what's going to happen in the New, then whenever the Old Testament prophet says that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, then they're using that word prophecy in the Old Testament context, and I use it in a way that would be different than how Joel's prophesied. And so it would be weird if I were to tell you your sons and daughters are going to go for a walk tomorrow. All right. But then what I mean by go for a walk means something different than what you and I take that to mean right now. Like, I, what would be the point of my communicating that to you? Uh-huh. And so whenever I, whenever I see that, that your sons and daughters will prophesy, what they're saying is, your sons and daughters are going to do what Saul did, what Balaam did, what Isaiah did, what Ezekiel did, what these guys did. They're going to have this powerful thing happen to them where they're going to be helpless. It's going to be God's words put into their mouth. And they're going to speak. They can't help but do it. And so I, like it doesn't mean foretelling the future, but it definitely doesn't mean that you have any sort of voluntary will in that.
1: Well, uh, what about the passage of Scripture that says the Spirit is subject to the man?
3: What are you talking about? Can you lead me to that?
1: (laughs) I believe that that, uh, I mean, that popped up in my mind just now. I believe that is uh, uh, probably in 2 Corinthians chapter 14 when they talk about how tongues and interpretation is supposed to be in, in the church.
3: Yeah, one second.
1: Can't can, 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 go into it. Okay.
3: It's, it's hard to do it a little bit with, you know, one arm. I see. What's wrong? Second you said 2 Corinthians 14?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul uh, talks about how that tongues and interpretation is supposed to be operating in the church. And he says no more than three. Have you found?
3: Oh yeah, it? you're talking about the order of the church, how?
1: Yes. Uh-huh. You
3: have, you, what's up?
0: He's just agreeing with you. I agree.
3: Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, got it. Yeah. And so, um, and so, okay. All right. I'm at the passage. Where should I be looking at in the passage? what what would the point be?
1: Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to uh, just carry on. I'm going to Google uh, the, the spirit subject to the man. And see okay. where it comes up. Let me ask you this, Jim, for, for purposes of clarification: what we're even
0: talking about? Because I kind of feel like Doc did when we were talking about Dahlenbach. Um, I don't know really what you're getting at. What is what is there, what is the difference between what people are claiming? Like mm-hmm. you, you're saying that it means the same thing as in Old Testament. What are some people claiming it means in the New Testament?
3: To preach the word of God. Okay. A preacher. Uh, someone who speaks a positive word about the church uh, or about God, about Scripture. I um, sent someone you. who reads Scripture aloud. Okay, things like that.
1: I sent you to the wrong Corinthians. It's First 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty-two. Now if Paul right. puts in plain language: the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. By this, he means that the Holy Spirit does not take one uh, take over a person. Just a minute, I got to click on this to get the full thing. Um, do you have a Bible in front of you so you could read the rest of the verse thirty two? Or
3: okay, so First Corinthians thirty two. I'm, I'm going to it. One second. All right. Um. The spirits of prophets are subject to control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. That's a really good Bible verse. Uh That's a really good verse.
0: Uh Is Um, Is there a bad one? <laughs>
3: no 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 for, 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 yeah. that, that's actually very relevant.
2: I wish this, that were your you know, entire Brad commentary. You know. That's a really good verse <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on.
3: yeah, so um, yeah, you know, thanks for bringing that up. I'll uh ponder that one for a bit um yeah so i I'm not really necessarily sure what that means now, okay. it's just the spirits. So that's the spirits of the prophets are subject to control of the prophets. Uh-huh. Okay, so I will say first, my first observation on that, is, that's a plural verb of spirits, or plural noun of spirits.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
3: and so so, so it's you, talking about... Saying that that's,
1: it, it must be talking about the uh, the spirit of a man, spirits of men. Yeah. So uh-huh. the spirits of men, prophets, are subject to the prophet. So how, uh-huh. how would you define that?
3: Well, I would say that prophets need a control themselves mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're not uh, supposed to be. But I would take that as this, they need to practice self-control. Yeah, I mean, that's what this is. That's what this whole passage is about. The context is good order and worship. So at least that's a subparagraph. And um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. NIV. that doesn't mean that that's in the original text. But what I'm saying is, give me one second. What I'm saying is, is that if I'm looking at this, spirits of prophets that means that can be the minds
1: of them Uh uh uh-huh right
3: and that they need to practice self-control that's Uh not talking about the spirit of god
1: right so i I quoted that wrong i said the spirit of the prophet's subject to the man but it's the same thing as what verse 32 is saying And the spirit Mm -hmm. of the prophets are subject to the prophet
3: yeah and so prophets still have self-control of course it's uh it's interesting I would have to contrast that with what happened to Saul and so maybe it's something where where like this is just a hypothesis that I'm throwing out okay. if you're rebelling against God or if you're, if you're um, trying to resist God then the manner in which you prophesy is not going to be one of self control
1: Okay, yes, I I
0: agree. All right, may I, may I ask this question? Um, because I'm not still 100% sure what is right and wrong or what we're defining as profit. But, you know, there's been more than these, but it's two recent ones. Uh, one, when Tim Higdon was, was preaching, um, when you were in town, I thought that that, that that sermon, that message, was divinely inspired. I could not have done that sermon okay i personally don't have that gift i would not have been given that ability to give that sermon i think that same thing happened with um a i don't know if he's a visiting priest but he was a priest at at the catholic church on here in ruston on friday on saturday night gave a message that i thought was incredibly um that there was divine inspiration that divine inspiration in my book puts them over and above something I could do. And and is that what we're calling prophecy to say you've got that gift of ministry and that the Holy Spirit is putting words out through you that I personally, as a lawyer, that's my gift. I couldn't give up and give that speech. Give no,
3: that I wouldn't gift. call that prophecy. No, I, w- I would call that gift of, you know, I'm sure that they, there's a word in the Bible for it. But I wouldn't call, that, that could be the gift of teaching, um, which again, these all these gifts come from the Spirit, so it, it, you could still say it's divinely inspired. But to call that prophecy would result in confusion
2: so, again for me. So, alright, in the in the Jesus Revolution, I want to say it's in the book too, so that it would be more historically accurate, but uh, the ideas that Lonnie had a vision the night that he met Greg Laurie, the first night he met Greg mm-hmm. Laurie, and I don't think they met under the same circumstances in real life. So mm-hmm. the book's different, but he did early on meeting Greg Laurie had a vision of him uh, preaching to like millions of people. And so, mm-hmm. and I want to say that was in the book could be wrong, but I, mm-hmm. that would be more of an example of prophecy and what your, in your definition, correct? That's more mm-hmm. prophecy than, than a preacher, uh, even it, like it, it's not it almost feels like you're like uh, you're not trying to do this, but uh, it, you know, it, it's not like he's like mm-hmm. trying to downplay a, a preacher giving a divinely inspired message like it can be divinely mm-hmm. inspired without it being prophecy. But the line yeah. of Frisbee thing would be that's more what you're defining as prophecy. Well,
3: that could be an interpreter of dreams, too um and so because prophets a very specific thing uh and i forget how many gifts there are in the new testament but we were numbering them one day in class and i like it's it's old testament and new testament sorry and there are up to like 27 spiritual gifts that you can have Mm -hmm. um and uh they're very specific And so one of them is uh someone who uh, interprets visions and dreams, and so that could be one of those where he's able to interpret that prophecies. Specifically for me, is someone like I said it's almost vomiting the words of God.
0: Mm. That's gross.
3: Yeah, and so I mean I don't like putting it that way, but it's an involuntary action that's happening, okay. and it comes out of your mouth. And so, um, yeah, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. or at least whenever you speak,
2: sounds so, like tongues to me yeah it does it but yeah it sounds it sounds why
3: does that sound like tongues
2: well you know, you're saying whatever god
0: told you to say yeah and yeah but you're not you're saying super it, you, in control
3: so you're a human mediator to other humans though and so it's not tongues it's you're saying like you'll see isaiah talking in tongues you see uh you see the language you see oh well all right i'm not laughing Let's at that clearer. i'm
2: laughing because he just played a musical instrument i
3: didn't
0: mean to do it <laughs> He strummed the note. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jim.
1: <laughs> that no, no, could no, have been good. a prophecy. I told yeah. that yeah.
0: He didn't want you to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's how he's going to shut you up from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're back. So,
3: all I'm, all I'm saying is that anytime, anytime you see prophecy is is in a manner that's intelligible for the audience, and it's something that the prophets Like the prophet's not speaking voluntarily on it. Like that's all I'm saying. Like whenever the Lord actually tells Nathan to go, Nathan can't help but go, you know, and tell David this. And so it's just something, it's the same thing with Balaam. It's the same thing with Saul. Like these things just, they, it's it's not a, it's not speaking in tongues. It's something that God's doing through them to speak to other people intelligibly.
1: Well, and now tongues of course is downloaded in you by the Holy Spirit you're given all kinds of instructions by the Apostle Paul how tongues is to be used it says even though you speak in tongues when you sit down at a meal at Denny's or at home and you've got others around you do not pray in tongues pray in your known language so that those around you will be edified. And then it clarifies. He said, now, praying in tongues is, is right. It's good. But there's a place and a use of it. It's not just to be something that you run around speaking in tongues all the time because nobody's going to be edified or helped. Yes, it's coming from God. Jude says, "Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost." Now, I do not buy the idea that just because I can pray in English and I uh, pray it in an anointed way, uh that that that's what that scripture's talking about. Uh it, it it's talking about uh building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. In other words, you pray in the Holy Ghost, then you're building up your faith according to what I think that's the Book of Jude says. I don't. I, I cannot. I cannot downplay uh, tongues at all because I would not be a preacher today if it was not for tongues. And I have learned in my latter years that the more I pray in in tongues, the the uh, the better I will do. And uh, as far as uh, the anointing of God and uh, and and preaching. Jim, do do you have um
0: and I can ask both both the what, who one who's going to be a professional and another already is a professional minister uh in in the law we have a dictionary called black's Dictionary and it gives the definitions of of legal terms now they're not normally not usable in court it's just to help people understand what it means in legal terms and when you look up prophecy in in Miriam Webster, that's not you, would, you wouldn't want to look up trespass in Merriam-Webster and use that to understand what trespass would be in the law. You'd want to look it up in Blacks. You'd want to you look it up in Blacks. You would want to look it up in blacks you would want to look up in Webster's. Well, it says to, in Merriam-Webster, it says to utter by or as if by divine inspiration. That's what I would have said was going on with, 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 uh, with Father, uh, Father Charles and with, uh, with Tim Higdon. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pastor Higdon. They seem to be divinely inspired to me. So that's why I got mixed up on saying that's what this prophecy means in the New Testament. I'm using just regular ordinary terms like Merriam-Webster. But I can promise you, if you use words in ordinary terms in the law, you're going to mess up because, for instance, concur does not mean to agree. It means something else. It means that you think the result you had was right, but you certainly were wrong on your reasons for doing it. We just got to the same place you were with the wrong method. And so you don't want to use concur in a legal document the same way you'd use concur talking to each other. All right. So is there, is there something that you're relying on to go to overrule uh brother Merriam Webster?
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, I would say that whenever you're, uh, defining things you're def- whenever you're defining biblical language you want to use that language how the Bible uses it and so uh, that definition of prophecy that I use where it's God's words in human mouths that's coming straight from the Bible in Deuteronomy 18 18 I will put my words in their mouths and so it's all that's all stemming from God's actions and then from that definition you can look at examples and these examples that you see are just that. Um, whenever you see a positive example of a prophet, then you see them as people who are speaking God's words. They're not speaking on behalf of God. They're not doing anything like that. They're actually speaking his words. And so that's that's where you get
0: that. Okay, so, so if Melissa Hessler says, use each breath to prophesy, it's okay to say that if she's using— Merriam-Webster's definition, but don't think that's biblical.
3: Right. Yeah, I would say that whenever you this is what Glenn Crider says it's very smart. Um, Whenever you use uh, the biblical language in a non-biblical manner, it results in chaos and confusion. It's like, yeah. Um, Whenever you say whenever you tell me to prophesy I'm like, well, first, that's not my, that's not any of my doing. That's a gift. And that's only something God can do, or and the Holy Spirit. Well, of course, the Holy Spirit is God, and so um, like it's it's a command that I can't follow on my own. And so, yeah, it, it and it it can make you feel bad. So, anyway, that's that's all that's all that I'm trying to get at here is that if we're going to use the term prophet and prophecy, then we need to do so in a manner that makes sense. Because if we start saying. Well, let just speak it positively about the church or speak it positively about God or you're speaking the word or you have a gift of teaching and then you call that prophecy. Well, I'm going to be very confused because it meant something very specific in the Old Testament, but the New Testament and beyond, it means something entirely different. I'm not necessarily sure where you're getting that difference.
0: Well, if I'm if I'm trying to make my day. A hundred percent divinely inspired, is that something you're saying can't be done? I'm saying that you can walk with God, but you can't
3: on your own get the gift of prophecy. You like that is all God's doing. God is putting his words in your mouth. So no, you can't okay, do that. Right, you can pray right. for it.
0: Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe and that's what you were getting at earlier. I think maybe I'll follow you now. I was having trouble following you, but I think let me see if I can summarize it now. You're saying that that there are gifts and that you have certain types of gifts that are all given to us through the Holy Spirit. And that gift of prophecy is one and a gift of pastor teacher is one. And the gift of healing might be one. I think it is one. Mm -hmm. So so you have, you have these different things that you are now that doesn't mean that you don't, you should not attempt as a lay. You're not a, you're not a pastor teacher. You're a, you're you have some other gift, but you should be trying to make sure that everything you do is inspired by the Holy Spirit and the scripture. But that does not make that prophecy. However, right, correct. Okay. And so if you're if you're just singing and talking, it's okay to use the word prophecy or prophesy the same as is used in Miriam Webster. But if you're preaching, you need to make sure that you distinguish between a prophet. And the English, the English term prophecy.
3: Yeah. Well, if you're clear, like, again, I would, I would even avoid using the word prophecy in songs. If you're telling people use every breath to prophesy, it's like, well, now I feel guilty because what I've envisioned as prophecy is what's happening in the Old Testament. It seems like it's a choice. Um, but obviously, in that song, she's meaning something
0: different. Yeah, yes, and it inspires me. It, that it does do me good. I'm saying I don't want to use any of my breath to be negative. I don't want it to hurt anybody. I want every breath that I that I take to be positive and divinely inspired. Either right,
3: or. yeah. But like those those combination of words that you just use should not be summarized into one word prophecy. It should be summarized into a different word, in my opinion.
0: What do you call it? What's a better word? word. Give, give, give. So Melissa can write a new song.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not saying that she's sinning or doing anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that for there, there are many people. This is. I think that this would help the charismatic movement. That's what I'm saying. If the charismatics want to be taken more seriously as far as prophecy goes then they need to start using that word more properly and more, more, more specifically rather than just saying, well, it's any good word about God. I'm not, I'm not saying that Chris Witt, this is what you're doing. You and I are agreeing a lot today. What I'm saying is that there are many charismatics who use the word prophecy in a non-biblical way, and that's why people write off charismatics. They're like, well, these guys are just insane. They're using words however they want to use it, and they're not using these words biblically at all, or at least how they were used in the Old Testament. And so I'd say that they're doing themselves an injustice by using these words differently. Well, and with that, with that, I have to go. I'm well, sorry, <laughs>
0: but. You can't leave because we haven't talked about PJ's coffee yet. Hey, Jim, we'll see you, buddy. <laughs> that, <Mike> Trump, but, <laughs> if you want to. Jim, did you check if out I, the hold on, Glenn? So, did we properly say goodbye to Jim or he just hang up?
3: I, I know I'm I'm here.
0: Okay, so well look
3: at I'm, I'm listen to PJ's plug. I gotta listen to the PJ's plug. Don't be late
1: to your class, Jim. Over PJs. All right. <laughs> <Yes, sir.
3: laughs> uh, well, if you want to really understand the difference between prophesying and prophecy, <laughs>
0: uh, you'll be able to take your Bible, go to the PJs and Hawt, get a delicious cup of coffee, give you that clarity and that purpose you need to find that divine inspiration of
3: why we have this argument over this word and how you can further your understanding of the Lord's word.
0: Thank you guys, all of you. uh, I'm not sure that I'm finished with this topic. I'm in some ways more confused than I was. I think what I need to do is look into the word prophecy in the new Testament more like Jim has done. Thank you guys. Um, and I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with more Bible fun. Right. Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.